This is the Palm Court Podcast, where we hear stories and get some reflection from folks who know New College well, folks who lived the experience down there. I'm your host, Mike Palmer. I went to New College back in 1988, fall of 88, and wound up graduating in 1993. I was really transformed by the experience. It really did change me in a positive way. And that's part of why we're starting this podcast, where we want more voices, more perspectives from folks who know the college to weigh in and get a little deeper beneath the surface of the college that's been thrust into the national conversation about culture wars on campus. Many years have passed since I attended New College. The good news is relationships that were forged back in the day at New College tend to have some staying power. On today's episode, I'm joined by fellow New College alums, Megan Citron and Grant Balfour. We all attended New College back in the late 80s, early 90s, formed friendships then that are still strong, perhaps stronger than ever to this day. I'll get out of the way here. Hopefully you're subscribing, you're telling folks about this show. We got some really great episodes going out at launch. There's this episode, there's my conversation with Steve Waldman, who was very much uh, a leader and a spiritual advisor down at New College back in the day. And then also Grant Balfour, who's on today's show. He and I get together with Dr. Anderson Brown, who graduated from New College probably about 10 years prior to me, at least. He attended back in the 70s into the early 80s. That's the type of conversations you'll be hearing on the show today is me, Megan and Grant, kicking it old school style, putting our thoughts together around the cultural conversation, the cultural movement that is New College of Florida. We hope you'll enjoy. Welcome to the Palm Court Podcast. I'm joined today by two fellow New College of Florida alums. Do you all care to introduce yourselves? I'm Megan. I went to New College from 1989 to 1993 plus 1994. I'm Grant. I went in 86, graduated in 90 and hung around for another year. And then I've had two kids who sort of toured the place. I've also been the one administrator of a large and contentious alum group for several years. On Facebook? On Facebook, yes. And you are our resident Florida man, at least in this conversation. Yes. Although, Megan, you're actually in Florida right now. I am, for the first time in many years. Yeah. And in the spirit of full disclosure, I was on the accelerated five-year plan from 1988 to 1993 because I, was, I wound up playing a lot of basketball. Which is interesting in that I was kind of like a sporty new colleger from back in the day. And that's all coming back to haunt us in new ways. And softball. Softball, right? The bones. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was fun. I was competitive. We should probably talk about what the project is. Because if folks haven't heard this before, this is their first time hearing this. In which case, we're calling it the Palm Court Podcast. And we're connecting it back to New College of Florida, which is very much in the news these days. All three of us attended that college. And as of January 6th this year, there was a whole new set of 
board of trustees who were installed by the DeSantis administration, which has led to some serious upheaval at our alma mater. As humans in the 21st century who attended New College were at least somewhat functional, all graduating in the 90s or whenever we did, we've contributed to society in different capacities and we have something to say. And full disclosure, I was hoping to launch a New College podcast that would be less about the culture wars and less <laughs> about the hostile takeover of the alma mater. But unfortunately, that is a lot of what we're going to be drawn into at times. But I think we also had other ideas in terms of the types of questions we might ask or the types of stories we might want to hear and or tell. Megan, since you're the host, maybe you could catch our listeners up on how the three of us stay in regular contact. Well, yeah, we, it's really, I'm not really the host, but Christian, who is also a new college graduate, same era as us, he always had a March Madness pool that was kind of half ironic. I mean, I think he genuinely cares about the sport and watching the games, but most of us don't. And we would just, well, you do as well. I mean, I and, and, you know, March Madness is pretty fun to follow. It's, you know, it's always so unpredictable and you do yeah. the hits. And one, sh one shining moment. Come on. Yeah. And there's banter. And, you know, so we would invite like kind of half Christian's family who are really into sports and half all of our new college friends and a few other stragglers and just throw them all together in these pools and the banter would happen. And then, you know, Grant would write poems and confuse everyone. And Suzanne would yeah. create, you know, like robotic AI personalities like this is going back 20 years. And and so that happened yearly. And then we finally, you know, it crashed and burned on Yahoo, I think, which, which is where we yeah. ended up originally. And we took it to WhatsApp and then it turned into a chat. And then, of course, it ended and we all wanted to keep talking. So then we just decided to turn it into an Oscar chat. And then mm -hmm. now we've just keep, kept it in like for several years into a, a you know, all year round. Not I think COVID might have played a role in that as well. I think that COVID. was kind of something that kept me going through the COVID years. And then yeah. we drove away all the non-new college people out of the chat by chatting constantly about inane things. And yeah. so well, occasionally someone will show up, like a Pat. Pat will show up every now and again. Christian's uncle will chime in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's around. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's been happening in a lot of contexts, too. Like people have been standing up their own little pods of banter and chatter through platforms like WhatsApp and group text, which is another thing we've talked about, too, where like we're one cohort and there's many who have gone through the new college experience in different periods of time you know so dealing with different cultural influences you know we were kind of the late 90s vibe was very much prevailing although i guess it was the early 90s when we were there but anyway we're going to try to tap into that and you know both go deep within our you know context but then also hopefully go across and start to hear other voices and get other perspectives on the show. I also remember just getting back to the WhatsApp thing. We were real time texting each other in WhatsApp when the slap happened, which was pretty, yeah. the, the you know, the Will Smith, Chris Rock. Oh, right. The Oscar slap. Thing slap. happened. I Jim the new college slap. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh yeah, is that what we're calling it now? That's oh, DeSantis. He slapped oh, us. Oh, wow. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Will Smith. Yeah. My wife's. Right. Name out of your mouth. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Process that together. The the GI Jane joke. Yeah. 
that went across the line, you know? Yeah, I missed the actual slap and I didn't think it had actually happened. I remember that. And somebody in the chat was like, no, that's a real thing. Right. But it was another slap that woke us all up, which is what happened at New College. And I do think I'm going to try to hopefully code switch a little bit in these conversations so that we can address the culture war, you know, where woke goes to die, anti-woke, whatever is going on in terms of the current hubbub at New College, the kind of gutting of the college that we loved. We have to talk about that, but I also hope we can tap into more of the like esoteric nature of a lot of the conversations that folks in New College have always had. Part of what I loved about the college was just some of the conversations that we had over the years. So I know we also were starting to think about some questions that we might want to ask folks as we interview them. Also, like we have a bunch of shows that we're going to be dropping at the top. So hopefully folks will get acquainted with this show and others. You may, if you're a new college person, you might actually know people and you're going to want to hear their conversations. We're going to be releasing a few of those. So there's some that were already recorded, but moving forward, we're going to try to have some kinds of questions. We normally are asking people, get some flow and some storytelling, a bit of an oral history of the culture and the college. I don't know if either of you have questions or topics, approaches you think will make sense to get the most out of these conversations moving forward? Well, one of the things that's kind of come up for me just since the, this all happened, I have always had my core group of new college friends that I stayed in touch with. And then I actually met a lot more new college people outside of new college than I think I met while I was there. Yeah. One of the things I think is unique about our experience is that we just kind of always are drawn to each other and find different ways of recombining and keeping conversations going. And like you were saying, we're very playful with ideas and, you know, you can kind of instantly get that going with a group of new college people. And one of the things I'm kind of interested in is the idea that new college isn't just a place or, you know, this educational institution. It's really like a cultural movement that we all participated in. You know, it's mm-hmm. has some history to it that it goes beyond that place and it goes beyond what's happening right now, and what they're trying to destroy. They cannot destroy that cultural movement. It's inside all of us and we can reignite it whenever we want. And I'm interested in, you know, talking to other people about that and what they think, you know, because, you know, I went on to move to Spain and study the Spanish Civil War and Spanish literature. And I learned a lot about different cultural movements in Spain and Mm. how they were snuffed out by the Civil War and, you know, snuffed out in some way. But then the culture moved on and it kept going. Those Mm -hmm. institutions were gone, you know. Yeah. And so I think it's worth thinking about, you know, what is the real meaning of the education that we got and the social experience we got? Because that was as important as the education itself, I think, or more, probably. Yeah, there's a lot in there. In terms of pop culture, on a hopeful sense, it does remind me of when Obi-Wan gets struck down by Vader, where clearly that I think the DeSantis administration might even be pro-Vader, pro-early Vader, I think, where like they might be like, yeah, you know, Obi-Wan had to come in. He really needed to get struck down. But the idea that you can't really, that the more you try to crack down on a cultural movement, using your words, Megan, I think the more, in some ways, it bubbles back up with more strength, where even the fact that we're having this conversation, speaking with a level of authority, launching a podcast, you know, hopefully that will be an ongoing representation Mm -hmm. of the culture, you know, like in some ways that is in response to some of the tactics and some of the moves we've seen. How about you, Grant? 
I'm busy trying to find a J that I can slip into DEI because you got you, that way you got the Jedi right there, right? Oh, interesting. I'm a big fan <laughs> of acronyms, but that's a whole nother episode. I've been going through a lot of acronyms lately, right? Actually, which which is a little weird. Like I, I don't want to turn this into Grant idiosyncratic thing, but I just last week dropped my kid off at the Air Force Academy, right? Uh, prep school, which oddly, like I also, I'm signed up to a bunch of right wing newsletters, right? And they're currently coming under fire for DEI practices, which are what DeSantis was stamping out at New College, which is very strange to me. Yeah. Like they, they can keep going, but they're being targeted by Judicial Watch. Right. Yeah. I mean, the culture war stuff is. It's like I spent so long, so hard. We all did trying to keep that out of like the Facebook yeah. groups. Right. It's like renting space in your head is kind of the way I think about it, where like. I don't live in Florida anymore. I actually find DeSantis to be just kind of uncharismatic and like just unpleasant to pay attention to. So I was assuming yeah. one of the reasons I live in Brooklyn is so that I don't have to think about DeSantis and then he takes over my alma mater. So, yeah. So there we go. That's the thing. I mean, I also wanted to remain apathetic. I did not want there, yeah. but they just. You know, they radicalized us and, you know, they just, I mean, I don't know for you guys, when was the moment where you're like, I can't stay out of this anymore? Because for me, it was when I started to think about those kids not mm. having real graduation and, you know, just yeah. being victimized over and over again at a time when they should have had this moment of achievement and also like a rite of passage. That was mm. kind of when I was like, so pissed off. Like, I can't stop. I've got to do something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, with me, it was early on because of the Facebook group. Just all of a sudden, we were having to like, I was having these conversations with the three other admins, like, how is moderation going to happen now when we cannot keep this crap out anymore? We can't keep all this contentious stuff because right. there are alums of all kinds of political beliefs, a lot of uncategorizable ones. Yeah. You know, like there are some jet fuel can't melt steel beams people in there. The funny thing about New College, at least the New College that I know, is like we're a very paranoid conspiratorial group to begin with. The idea that, you know, the powers that be, whoever they might be, may be doing things behind the scenes that we all should be aware of. I think if there's a criticality that folks who attend New College, I think, wind up with. And then I think there actually are a lot of behind the scenes yeah, one cultural hallmark that I think I've taken from New College is this sense of being in a small, weird group that a larger institution does not understand and having to find ways to maneuver around things. Like like in my work life, I worked at the tabloids for a while. Right. And I was in the weirdest, smallest of the newspapers, which the scandal people from the Inquirer did not understand. Right. This is the podcast that I want you to let me produce for you, but that's a separate topic. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You'll get some real idiosyncratic characters there as well. Right. But yeah, you know, it happens. Like I, I earn most of my money in publishing now, I guess. So it just seems to happen again and again, where you just, and I'm in these small teams of creative oddballs who have to kind of maneuver around institutional neglect and, or what's the thing that antipathy, that's the word I'm looking for. Not apathy, but actual like, why are they here? Why are they wasting our time and resources? Yeah. There were whole articles about our generation back in the 90s too, around like the, yeah. you know, the whatever generation and Slackers was the movie that was out there. What are we going to do with these 20-somethings who don't really know what to do with their lives? And that was kind of 
on point, at least in in some meaningful ways, I think at the time. I'll say maybe my experience is a little different from both of yours in that, like, I had friends from later cohorts, not just through this Facebook thing, but before Facebook was a thing, I was in dial-up BBSs and like the youngest kid from the dial-up BBS I was on in 1996 decided to went to new college and wound up getting married there in 2000. So I was there at his wedding. Right. And it's like the character of the place has remained remarkably consistent. It's also kind of like the birthday effect too. You know, they say when you're at a cocktail party, it's likely that someone else there is going to share your birthday once you reach a certain number of attendees. I do feel like there's enough people in the new college diaspora that you do wind up running into. It's also, I guess you kind of, you're put on a path by going to that college that you wind up moving in circles that make it likely that you're going to run into more people who are from your tribe, but it does feel like a tribe. That's actually a great question to ask people is where's the weirdest place you ran into a new college person? Because I've had so many just completely. And like you're saying, I mean, we're talking about how many thousands of people, like 7,000, yeah. I don't know how many graduates there were. It'd be I think it's, I've heard around that. I've heard six, seven. It's, yeah, it's less than seven. So Last I, number that I saw. I've it, met maybe more that Maybe more now after the graduation that just happened. I've met people in Madrid. I met someone at the World Bank when I was working mm-hmm. there who had the same advisor as me a couple of years before. I mean, it's just like so many different run-ins like that where you're just like, what? Are you serious? Or somebody who's like, oh, I went there for a semester and I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it does remind me also even the class sizes and the cohort sizes haven't really grown. Like it felt too kind of too small. It was it was like oh, there was a certain problem. There was a certain <laughs> size, you know, where like, you know, the other you know, realistically, there's probably another 300 or so people who you know. Yeah. And then there are other people associated with the college who just are kind of invisible to you for whatever reason. But it was a pretty small, close-knit group, to your point, Grant, because we didn't fit with, even at the time, the surrounding culture of Florida didn't really feel like a fit. Although I would say like the feeling of being in Florida, I think, you had to at least be comfortable with that. You had to at least kind of like the warm weather. I always to, feel like I have to stand up for Florida as a as an I didn't speaking like of it weirdness. <laughs> I actually did not like it at all. I never. You didn't like it. the weather or just the Floridianness of it. Any of it, like actually, I mean, I liked the birds. You didn't like being like a short drive from Gibsonton. Wow. I, I don't. I don't know. It just wasn't my thing. Like I, I circus really, town man. I never got to go to Gibsonton. No, Nobody. There's not much to see there. You go to this gas station. There's, there's, a whole, there's a whole episode right there, though. Let's reunite all the people who went to Gibsonton and let's yes. tell those stories. Some of them, the ones that are, you know, fit for, you know, family audience or whatever. Yeah, right. Well, otherwise, we can put the explicit. <laughs> it does feel like there need to be some explicit episodes at that some point. Real explicit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Although it did feel. You guys were there when Pee Wee Herman got arrested, right? I, mean, right I, was, I wasn't in the theater at the not, time. Not in the, yeah. I was not in the theater either. <laughs> but I mean, that happened. Yes. And I think it what, was in 1988, because I feel like it happened right okay. before I went there. Oh, okay. I did so so that was a defining experience for us. Like, oh, A, Pee Wee Herman was hanging out here. B, in a porn theater and C, got arrested. I think that's true. I also think the Gulf War and CNN. Yeah. I remember Magic's HIV. Oh, yeah. Like there were like lots of like breaking. The Berlin Wall coming down. I remember that watching it in the second court. That was. And Jesus Jones, you know, released their video for right here, right now. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, hammer time, I think, also happened during that. Right. Or we did wear those pants. I do I remember. I mean, I did not I, wear those pants. By no. we, I mean me and at least one other person. I, I had. Just, I, I did have my, some baggy I pants, but they were not that some. bad. Right. Yes. Oh, and just getting back to when I first heard about this, it was also because I had just interviewed Pat Ogre for mm. my education podcast and got to know her a little bit. Dr. Pat Ogre was the previous president of New College of Florida, who seemed to be really kind of doing serious work to help a college that was in need. And serious successful work. Like, yeah, yeah. Know, enroll, enrollment was up. She led, you know, in the 18 months that she was there, was coming out of COVID. There was a tropical storm that kind of devastated the area. And she was able to you know, establish some leadership and have a vision for the future of the college. And, you know, so I met her in December at an alumni event up here in New York and then had her on my podcast. So I had a chance to kind of get to know her a little bit. And then from the time I interviewed her to when we were going to release it, this change happened. So then, you know, we were on the live stream of the board of trustees when she was Fire. Then I interviewed Aaron Hillegas, who was a fellow New College alum who was starting a data science program down there. Director so there of was... the data science program. He left Silicon Valley and whatever. Didn't... Yes, a very successful alum so who ho hopefully will get more of his perspective and bring his voice back. But it was really interesting to get a sense of the vision and the direction that was put forward prior to a hostile takeover that I watched in real time due to the sunshine laws and the fact that you can watch the live stream. So I could actually see this woman who I liked and respected and was very, you know, happy to have a relationship there. I felt like she was setting things in the right direction to see her fired, not for cause. And that yeah. also, you know, Grant, that in some ways inspired the working theme song that we have. Yeah. Because right. part of what she said was, you know, remembering the old, you can only call it traditional. This little light of mine. That's right. I'm let it shine. Right. Because that was her. And then she also used the language around the hostile takeover, where it was yeah. both, this is a hostile takeover, which it was. You know, it wasn't, she wasn't fired for cause. I, I don't think she coined that, though. She was quoting either Chris Rufo or one of DeSantis's administrators Chris, saying. Chris it was Rufo a, said it was a hostile takeover yeah, on right. Twitter. We, those workers, yeah. I'd have to double check. I think I have that. Yeah. But but to me, it was more powerful coming from Pat at that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, she was okay. definitely like citing his words and saying, this is what you're doing. But it's also like, I don't want to give him power. I feel like he's Voldemort, yeah. too. Like, you know, like, I feel like <laughs> it, it was a hostile takeover, regardless of who you look at saying it. But then the fact that she also was speaking to students primarily at the time yeah. and talking about that song and how growing up with her faith and how yeah. she, you know, I guess that song spoke to her and she could see that certainly speaking to the current student population, especially those who, to your point, Megan, feel like they're under attack when they, in some ways, they might have sought out new college because it felt like a safe place. Yeah. yeah. And she was kind enough to attend the alternate graduation. And I thought that she just seems like a person of really great integrity. And we're watching this selection process for the new president and right. it could not be more different night and day versus if you guys remember, and I'm sure you do yeah. her selection process in which we all participated and it was so open and so public. And, you know, our feedback is it a, took a long time. 
took a long time. There was all kinds of feedback from the community, from, you know, alumni, from everyone. Yeah. And she just kind of rose above all of the mm -hmm. other and was so supported, you know, and to see that's not what they're going to get now. Like it, this process is obscure and corrupt and just frankly weird, you know, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, frankly, very strange. So, you know, I think it's something to look at, you know, to compare, you know, the process that produced a president like yeah, how her. How many weeks from now is their deadline? It's less than four weeks, I think. Rushing it so just much. at four weeks. It's August 7th, I think, is their deadline. To get the permanent president identified? Yes, to get. Rushing it. Then sure, it's going to be to canonize Corcoran as the president. Yeah. And at the time, even when in that same board of trustees meeting, the trustees were talking about how they had a line into Corcoran and basically they had promised him this job. Even he was already announced before the meeting took place. Right. Which is actionable. And I hope actions are taken because that is not kosher. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also seems like it does take me back to the whole Donald Trump thing that I can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with it, where there is some intentional arrogance to breaking a law in the light of day and doing so in a way that is almost challenging your opposition to hold you accountable because they believe that the system is corrupt enough to still get out the way. Yeah, they seem to be under the impression that if they break a law, they can just go to Tallahassee and change it. But anyway, we want to also look at the kind of positive elements of the story. You mentioned one of them, the response among the alumni and students and folks surrounding the college to set up an alt-graduation yeah. where they got some speakers in from the outside. That is also a place where hopefully this will be a format that will allow us to tap into other voices. Like, you know, for me, I was thinking if we could have booked some of the speakers who were at the alt commencement, that would certainly be the type of voices we'd want to bring in to bring to bear in terms of the conversation. So, you know, we'll see. We're trying to leave the format a little bit open to begin with, but there certainly is the opportunity to interview people in some depth and to maybe bring forth some ideas and some conversations that otherwise might not have a platform. So that is certainly in part the intent. I don't know if either of you have any hopes or aspirations for the types of conversations or the type of platform this podcast might be. I hope that it's a forum for, you know, collecting oral histories, things that have just never been written down and maybe are only known to a few people and sharing them with the whole new college community and beyond. And I think it just has a value. Even if it only does that, it has a value. And I think something that also you know, shows the diversity of our community because it is not as, you know, homogenous as they like to say. We are not yeah. all of any one political persuasion or any persuasion. In fact, we argue amongst ourselves all the time and don't agree about a lot of things. And that's part of the discourse that we have. And I hope this podcast can be like that too, where, you know, it's not just one type right. of voice, you know, it's mm. all kinds of different people with different experiences. And some people didn't like New College and maybe it's okay for them to talk about that too, you know, or yeah. they like one thing and they didn't like another thing. That's okay. We don't have mm. to be Pollyannas. Yeah. yeah, it was not a perfect institution. Many of us bear scars. That's one of the lessons and one of the kind of central founding truths of the group that I'm right. at many on Facebook is like, it's not official. We're definitely not towing any lines from 
in the administration because it's a problematic place. You get a lot of weirdos in one one spot and no support structure whatsoever because everything has always been radically underfunded because we're so. Peculiar. Although the supports, I think, have that's something as they've I've increased talk, a great as deal. I've talked to folks. Yeah, I mean, there have been there's more than there was in the early 90s where it did feel a little bit like the Hunger Games, you know, they just drop. Yeah, honestly, just having a decent bar would be an improvement over what we had in the 80s. Yeah, just, uh, kid, and rub some dirt on it. Would, you know, they would just turn our cafeteria off for like a month every year. You know, yeah. like, Although like we that. did, have, I mean, we had unlimited free pool. We had free video yeah. games and a free jukebox, you know, and depending Freaking on Tetris, I think that's like giving heroin to kids. Yeah, Come on. Ar Arkanoid. Yeah. Thank you. Sign me, sign me up. Dun. But I think it also depends on your context coming in where for me, it was kind of like a, a safe haven from like a childhood that I didn't enjoy, you know? So for me, there was still the opportunity yeah. to just wow. get, get yeah, away. I feel represented by that. Yeah, same. <laughs> Yeah, I came into... I've never I heard came, it expressed quite that way before. <laughs> I came into New College from a fairly well-known Catholic school in Palm Beach County. A few of my fellow Cardinal Newman people also came into New College at later times. And it was... I was never happy there. It was not a happy place. Yeah, I mean, I, I think New College, <laughs> for those who had a good experience, which is the other thing I've been yeah. trying to understand about, I don't think anybody had a purely beautiful experience. And it is almost like that rite of passage element but where like especially completing the thesis and graduating, like a lot of people don't make yeah. it through. And there is that element of that really is kind of Hunger Games-ish, except you're all on your own. It definitely feels like an initiation experience. I mean, yeah, I don't like calling it tribal too much, but it, th there is something like clannish. Yeah. I, I prefer tribal to clannish, even though they both okay. would probably be canceled for different reasons. Yeah. Scottish ancestors. Sorry. That clan's okay. That clan. Yeah. With a C. Yeah. yeah. And, and some wool. Very tartan. I can see the plaids yeah. already. We'll also have this platform to kind of cover the news of the day as it pertains yeah. to New College, where, you know, it's summer in Sarasota, so things get really sleepy and slow. But at the same time, there are active things happening behind the scenes and plans to change the physical plan, plans to... That's already started to happen. Start to do the renovations. The sports teams mm -hmm. is just blowing my mind. The level to which they are actually saying that they're doing this stuff, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It seems like it's almost like a cultural transplant they're trying to do in a very odd way. That's what they've declared that they're doing. The I mean, poor that's... mascot that I actually feel like that banyan tree is being tortured because of the <laughs> psychological trauma that is involved in how they make leadership decisions. But that's a whole separate point. Yeah. Well, and the sports thing, you know, it seems like part of that is changing the composition of the school, which I think is more female than male now. And then mm -hmm. that's like one of their ways of trying to change that yeah. in a radical way. But I have big doubts about all these scholarships they're offering these male athletes, you know, right. and in, in a disproportionate amount to try to you know, fill this empty space, you know, mm. because there are people fleeing as well. I'm certain. So yeah. it's complex. And to try to shoehorn that into the school, I also see it as just a crass money grab as well, because yeah. there, anything time you institute something new like that, there's a lot of money available yeah. to it. There's construction, there's demolition and all of those contracts. Well, it'll be certainly be interesting to see who gets those, won't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah.
I hadn't really thought about the gendered element of it with the sports teams, but that makes yeah. a, ton of, a ton of sense too, because New College is also getting a lot of press around the percentage of LGBTQ student body. And that has been very much part of the whole culture war aspect of how yeah. DeSantis is trying to really go to the extreme right on a lot of these issues and come down, you know, kind of heavy handed about it. Yeah. So you would imagine if they could get more, you know, fratty, you know, cisgendered, you know, more on the mm -hmm. extremely lateralized gender sensibility that I imagine <laughs> they want that to kind of yeah. permeate the culture. I hadn't really thought of it's, that. Let's see if it really works out the way they think. Yeah, uh, I don't I think mean, it will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other story is the Derek Black story, you know, where I do wonder whether my hometown, whether any of the athletes, when exposed to the diversity of New College's culture, will actually have some awakenings. Because, you know, that is part of why you go to college, too, is to experience, that's part of why I went to college, was to experience difference, you know, and to kind of broaden my perspective. Although I think that's yeah. not necessarily true. The, the mapping of that experience is what I want this thing to get at. Yeah. Because I, in some ways, I think that's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're 18 and you go away for four years, you're going to come back different Yeah, wherever you go. I think if you stay where you are, you're going to come back different. But also, I think because of the educational model of the school, which so far they haven't altered, Yeah, which is no grades. You get a narrative evaluation from a professor. You have to do an independent study once a year until you do a thesis at the end, whether they want to call it a capstone or a thesis, whatever. It's a thesis, which you have to defend against your baccalaureate yes. professors. Yes. The, the ultimate intellectual initiation experience. I'm still right. traumatized by mine, although I can only remember like one question from the beginning. But I think that also has this emergent property mm -hmm. of you're not going to be like somebody who graduated from somewhere else. Yes. And I think that's true, you know, and just the critical thinking, you know, that yeah. they're not going to be able to eliminate that immediately, at right. least, you know, or maybe ever, you know, I do think education matters. And this might be somebody's mm. first opportunity to have a decent education. So, and it's so student led, which is the yeah. terminology that is getting some positive buzz these days, yeah. where rather than be top down to actually allow the students to lead more. I mean, that's really built into the academic mission of the college that ultimately the student's responsible. You know, that sense of personal responsibility for your journey is pretty or deep. Or finding different ways to get to where you want to go. Was, yeah. Like, that's something that I absolutely think I was trained to do there, which I would right. not have been trained at UF, which would have been my other choice as an in-state student. Right. Better sports. There was a riot. I remember my, I think it was my first year because my dad's alma mater, Mississippi State University, mm. beat UF, which was the top ranked team in, I think, the nation and definitely in the SEC yeah. in football. There were prison riots in Florida. I remember that. Yeah. Like in Stark and Death Row, like they had to like shut the place down because Mississippi State, my dad's school, beat the school that I almost went to. Well, at least you avoided a little bit of, <laughs> potential awkwardness yeah, it would have been there you go there you go so hopefully we'll do this on the regular moving forward we have some yes. older episodes grant you and i've been on a few of these already which is pretty pretty yeah. nice and then hopefully megan will be getting you and and other folks on 
subsequent conversations. As we wrap up here, mm. uh, any words of advice, thoughts, perspective based on how you think about New College in light of the crazy year that we've had? Anything you'd want to make sure our listeners heard before we wrap up? I would just say we're not letting go. <laughs> you know, we're not. And I think my first instinct was that, you know, they're going to be able to do what they want to do and there's nothing we can do to stop it. And the further into it I've gotten and the more I've seen the way that we've all come together and across generations and with the current students, the more I see that they're not going to win. You know, they may win some of these battles and they may take the school, but they're not going to stop what New College is. They're just not going to. They're not going to be able to. So, you know, watch and see what we do. And what we're doing is so important because they want to extend this so much further. This is like a test mm -hmm. and they want to take this all over the United States and we have to stop them. Even if we don't get what we want, we have to stop them from succeeding yeah. with what they want to do. I feel very strongly about that. And it's, it extends not just to college, but down to, you know, all public education and the value of public education. And we're all a product of public education and that's a great thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The so, fact that I'm seeing this at a military academy personally is like weird to me. Like, oh, Good Lord, they're taking on the armed forces. Yeah. No, armed forces like, are too radical for them now. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're too inclusive. You're talking affirmative action? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, affirmative action and DEI stuff like is what I've been monitoring on these. Like, ah, got it. Right-wing email. That's very strange. It's the same language. It's the same DEI quest. They're teaching critical race theory to the up-and-coming right. commissioned officers in the Air Force. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Right. Well, that's also where hopefully the critical takes that we can provide even to the handful of listeners who might listen to the conversation, you know, they'll at least understand how we talk about some of these things, because it does feel like having different conversations, just allowing other voices to be heard on some of these topics. Mm -hmm. There's an element of the culture war that is about chilling speech. Yeah. And I feel like enabling other ways for people to talk and for other voices to be heard is important when there are chilling effects out there in the world around us. You know, A, nobody puts baby in a corner. Gone too soon to Patrick Swazi. I'm a big fan of his work. But beyond that, you know, they can't stop us from speaking our truths. And that's where, you know, I think it is, it's on us to do it more because you can't, you can't hide from this conversation, at least from my perspective. And that's where, you know, I do think there has been a genuine response from all of us to say, you know, this isn't your conversation. This isn't your culture. One of the things I keep coming back to is the way that the hostile takeover, in their own words, they didn't know what they were taking over. I remember Rufo issued a list of, was it 12 or 14 things that he wanted to do? And among them were like hire a design firm to create classical design elements. Right. And like the only logo the school has had is the four winds from Minoan Greek pottery. Right. Uh, could you get more classic? I don't think you can. I don't see how. Right. Like, yeah. You know, like obviously didn't like know. And then talking about the one voice that everybody speaks with when they're being like, yeah, right. That's a new college. Not anything that I've ever seen or heard or experienced. And anyone that I've been through and all the, later cohorts it is a school that argues i know a culture I mean, based on like yeah i've never had more public arguments i mean i went through a whole other educational system and it just you know college was definitely a much more contentious <laughs> and 
critical environment, you know, not that we didn't all get along because we did. I mean, I remember the people who were in the Young Republicans group when we were at New College and we were all friends with them, even though you know, they were completely different. I was of a completely different political persuasion. But we all hung out and, you know, the New College has never been monolithic in any way. Yeah. At all. yeah they wanted to introduce a Socratic debate series. Like, I don't remember having those. Yeah, very much so. More than that. Often beer fueled. Late oh. into the into yeah. parts of the morning, Socratic stuff right there in Palm yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, more to come. Thank you to both of you for joining me on this journey. Thanks to everyone who's listening. Thanks to everyone who might want to be in subsequent conversations. If you know any of the three of us, reach out to any of us and we can help you get on an episode. And then we're also talking about getting other people equipped so that they can do some of this themselves. But anyway, thank you to both of you for joining. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Mike. And we'll be back again soon. Thanks for listening. Write us a review. Tell your friends. Do all the good things. This is the Popcorn Podcast. We out. Yay!